And now, The Ropes. Welcome to The Ropes. I am Rafe Bartholomew from Grantland. I'm here, as always, with Brian Campbell from ESPN. And you know what he's been doing. He's been shadow boxing in the mirror all day long because he gets to talk to his number one boy, his golden boy, Oscar De La Hoya, a little later on today, who we're going to interview. Brian, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk the Ike Corte fight. Let's dig. Let's turn back the dial with Oscar. Let's I, do I mean, it. You know, it's all about that. You know, we can get into all that stuff. Um, so uh, besides that, uh, you know, we're gonna preview this week's fights. Uh, Lucas Matisse taking on Victor Postol in California. Uh, your boy AB Adrian Broner fighting again in a, a busy year, if uh, not the most successful year so far uh, for <laughs> AB taking on uh, our boy Khabib uh, Alakverdiev in Cincinnati. That's- Hometown Good pronunciation friend. right there. Oh, I'm all about the... You know I'm, I'm a pronunciation head. Um, <laughs> you know. um, I don't know if you put the Dagestani uh, you know, exaggeration I, on that. I got to learn it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um, but before we do those things, uh, let's just you know go through some sort of news and notes in the world of boxing right now. Um, starting with you know last weekend's uh, heavyweight uh, title defense. Do we want to call it that? What, Deontay Wilder? Just technically. I mean, we're talking about heavyweight titleist Deontay Wilder. You know, the unbeaten American, the big punch, the big right hand, defended his belt uh, against uh, French no-hoper Johan Duhalpes. It was another second straight title defense, second straight homecoming fight in Birmingham, Alabama for Wilder. Stopped him in the 11th round, but... When you have matchmaking like this and this poor Rafe, and I know this was a showcase fight on NBC to you know to the masses to push the, the the American champion. And by the way, credit to NBC for finally mentioning that Vladimir Klitschko is a alive and b the actual recognized champion. But there's obviously a limit of of how much is a, it's a success when you're stopping a guy who really had no hope. Who now give Duhapas credit. Outside of that giant fish that he captured in that uh, <laughs> picture, I keep floating on Twitter. No, in the fight, uh, in obsc- he showed an obscene chin. I mean, that was like almost disgusting. I was almost throwing it. I was taking off my socks and throwing them at the TV as if I was, you know, <laughs> tossing in the towel like Rocky, like Rocky should have when he could have saved Apollo. Man, um, I, uh, I'll tell you, it's true. I I ended up watching this fight um, at a bar. And I had to ask, you know, it was like a Saturday, uh, everything was college football. I had to ask them to put it on. And, you know, I, I, it was one of the few times Hashtag I purist, felt, yeah. yeah, right, felt, felt like the shame of uh, uh, any shame at, at being a boxing fan just because, like, I asked them to put it on. They look at me like, what? Like, boxing? Where? <laughs> what channel is it on? And then when it was on, I, I was overhearing comments from the people around me just saying, like, Oh, this is this is horrible. Why this is this is terrible? How do people do this? You know, and I was like, oh man, what's what's the matter with me? But <laughs> well, like, you get this chance to to put Wilder in there on NBC, and I get if you I get it the idea if you're pushing it toward fans who don't watch boxing anyway, then they have no idea if Johan Duhalpis is a uh, you know should be a uh, man in the door at the strip club or, or or driving him home in the cab afterwards. Like, but at the same time, Rafe Wilder overcomes the the really badly swollen left eye. Mm-hmm. And he overcomes a determined opponent. But how much credit do you give somebody for overcoming obstacles and for having a quote unquote learning experience when it's a it's his second straight obscenely matched fight that he that by the odds should have blown the guy out early? 
Right. I mean, there's a, there's a, this whole laundry list of problems with the, with that sort of argument. One, he is a you know pitching himself. Even though even if everyone knows that the real heavyweight champion is Vladimir Klitschko, he goes around ta- you know he carries one of the belts uh, and he you know and, and he calls himself a champion. So I mean, if you're out here defending the belt and you're talking and, you, and you're not having championship level fights with, against you know championship contenders. And then on top of that, you're also not looking particularly great in those fights. It, it, it all doesn't add up very well. And you know, sure, he win. You know, he 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 knocked the guy out eventually. He stopped him. He won every round or just about every round. Um, but he also he also didn't look great. I mean, like he was no. getting caught a lot with those jabs. He just, I mean, imagine imagine a better fighter in there with him. And you know, it's not that surprising exactly. why people don't have the the highest hopes or expectations or that much belief in Deontay Wilder as as a legit heavyweight, you know, championship contender who could beat Vladimir Klitschko someday. I didn't see, you know, despite the size advantage, I didn't see somebody using his jab. Wilder never went to the body, never really used his jab that much to set up the right hand. He was essentially headhunting the whole fight and granted, you know, Duhapas' defense really allowed for for Wilder to you know use his athleticism and land a lot of big right hands, but it's sort of our, our good friend Eric Raskin had an interesting tweet which which eventually which essentially said boxing is at a certain point where a guy like Wilder can be an unbeaten titleist and a complete prospect at the same time, and that really, to me, just kind of sums it up we're two title defenses into his reign after a whole run of soft matchmaking leading up to this what do we really know about wilder right now through two title defenses i don't even think we know anything different than we knew before the stavern fight no i think no i mean it's been the same since the last three years almost you know we know exactly what we've seen and and, and it gets even more confusing when he doesn't look great against guys like eric molino and then uh you know johan von duhalpas you know it's just it, it, <laughs> do it, help it gets, us yeah, is really it Come yeah on. duhast uh it's uh it, it gets more and more confusing the more you see of him because you're just like wait a minute he, he doesn't he, he's fighting guys who aren't good aren't known and not looking great so what's the deal and and even even the stavern fight i mean that is the one real name on the resume for him and it was just such a bizarre Poor performance from Stavern, who exactly who know you know I mean you can only beat the guy that's in the ring with you and he did that so you got to give credit to Wilder but it didn't look like he beat the most dangerous uh, Berman Stavern we've ever seen no and now Wilder's he's got that mandatory which is Alexander Plovietkin and that's like that's a really tough fight I think I'm at a point right now from what we know through the Stavern fight and the two title defenses I can't see a potential Wilder Plovetkin fight ending in any other matter but Plovetkin by knockout especially because of how nasty he's looked after his one loss to Vladimir Klitschko how he's come back and just blown through people with one knockout after another and by the way Speaking of that Klitschko fight, everyone likes to say, well, Vlad dominated it from start to finish. That referee really allowed Vlad to completely hold and lean and really not allow Povetkin to do anything. Yes, Povetkin lost a one-sided fight, got floored four times, but I really felt like there was even moments where when he even made Vlad a little nervous when he did close distance. But, look, I would think he would roll right through Wilder. Am I, is, am I crazy to say that? Uh, I mean, especially the way he's looked in the past year—that the like the the first round knockout of Carlos Takam, a guy who we'd seen give other good heavyweights, you know, tough fights recently, uh, you know, knocking out 
Manuel Char, which is not quite as uh, exciting a win, but still, just the, he's fighting, like you said, more with more assertive, more assertion, more aggression. Um, he's uh, he looks like a more dangerous fighter since losing to Klitschko than than you know than he did before, and he was already considered probably you know the second best in the division during that time, uh, whether depending on whether or not Vitali Klitschko was was active. So yeah, I, I would. I would p- pick Povietkin over over Wilder in a heartbeat. Um, Is there any chance the PBC drops the belt to avoid that? It, and is there does Wilder lose all his value if he doesn't have a belt? Well, without the belt, can can they still build to a Klitschko fight? Does it look like it seems like it's harder? It, it becomes harder for them to to get that big cash out at the end. Uh, because listen, if this Pavetkin Wilder mandatory goes to a purse bid, it's going to get interesting. Because if you remember when Klitschko Pavetkin went to a purse bid, some crazy uh, guy with a lot of money in Russia bid twenty seven million for that fight. State and money, won man. The bid. Just, you know, twenty seven million. It off, make it rain. So look, Al has been really, really behind Wilder. You know, they matched him really soft to give him the experience to build him up. He had that long knockout string. Is Al going to take the chance of losing that fight in a purse bid to a, another person who can put it on whatever network they want? You know, I, 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 it's possible. I mean, they, they were, they're paying lip service to the WBC mandatory right now, which would be Povietkin. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they also come up with some deal to get another, uh, non-mandatory defense in there. And, and, uh, out of curiosity, Brian, who, if it's not Povietkin, who we both seem to think might be just, uh, just too good for, for Wilder right now, who would be a, so, a good opponent that would actually, you know, match fair, match Somewhat evenly with with Deontay Wilder and and show us something about what how legit or he is or not like what I'll tell you who it's not it's, see? it's not Dominic Brazil who who was you know <laughs> got a gift decision on the co-main the other night which is just deplorable the ten to nothing scorecard was ridiculous against your guy Fred Cassie but uh, I I'm going to pick Brian Jennings I think that's the perfect te- test right now I mean he really gave Klitschko pause over the second half of that fight because he was athletic because he found a home for those looping right hands Jennings doesn't have a lot of power but he's improved he's tough he's Philly strong that would be a very tough fight in my mind for Wilder and the perfect sort of showcase to to prove to us if he's ready to take steps forward because you can only take certain amount of steps against guys like Eric Molina and and Johan Duhapis. That's the best pick for me. Are are you on board with that? Oh, that would be, I think that would be a very that would be a really high level test and 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 sure if if, if uh, Wilder can beat Jennings then there really isn't any reason not to throw him in there with the best of the division exactly uh, but you know it's going to be Tony steps. Thompson yeah well yeah, I mean Tony Thompson don't count him out man you know <laughs> depending on what kind of juice he's drinking uh, and don't, what, count, don't count his wife's hip out yeah either. I was going to say oh, and his and and old Mrs Thompson how she's feeling uh, he's he's uh, capable of some rousing performances but uh, no I think they could also do well with some Mike Perez type. Takam, the guy who uh, who Povietkin knocked out, you know, uh, last year, earlier this year, uh, you know, those are decent fighters who who. You know, honestly, I don't think Wilder has faced many guys of that caliber yet. No, so no, it would be has. worth seeing that, even if they aren't top top level heavyweights. Uh, you know, uh, it's Wait, so let me hit you. Yeah. Let me hit with one last thing on Wilder here. 
it's been, you know, the protection of that O and the soft buildup. Does he hold any value without that O? I mean, I just asked you if he holds the value without the title. He would still, I think, to a certain degree. But if he takes a loss, if let's say he does take the Povetkin fight and he loses, is there is is that the is he no longer a thing? Can you not have the same effect in building him and promoting him? And and would his confidence potentially, you know, shatter in a Michael Grant type way? I mean, do you think it's all or nothing with the O right now with him? I mean, it, it's you, you know, it depends on how if he were to lose, it depends how he loses and and how he looks and you know if he gets outclassed by an opponent and looks like he doesn't belong in the ring then yeah then then he then that loss takes away so much of his value because then people will start to be like you know like we were with Seth Mitchell I mean obviously people were were saying that before Seth Mitchell lost but uh you know once Seth Mitchell lost and we saw how bad his chin was or just just like all right this is a joke forget this this is not happening uh and if if wilder you know it wouldn't necessarily be his chin but if something uh some just devastating you know catastrophic performance on his part where where he lost and looked terrible and looked like he didn't belong in the ring with a high level fighter then yeah then it is sort of like all right you were pulling one over on us and uh and we don't care anymore but if you get if it's a good fight it's back and forth it's competitive you know i, I think you know fight fans would probably you know give him more respect at that True. point because they'll see all right you took a real fight you didn't win but you performed well you fought your you know you fought hard you faced you know you faced adversity and you can actually grow from this. That that would actually be a better step ahead Absolutely. than some of these, you know, sidesteps that do and help. By us. the way, his fights, win or lose, like him or not, his fights are exciting. And I admit a lot of that excitement comes from his his vulnerability as much as it comes from his right hand. But so far, even against these no hopers, it's been you know, it's been yeah. some drama in there. It's and, not bad. And but, they uh, do pretty good numbers. I mean, you know, PBC got what two point three million on this one, which is higher than they've been pulling recently, isn't no, it? No, that was the worst of the PBC on nice, NBCs. Nice. Though. You, there's two ways to look at it. It was the worst of their four PBCs. BBC on NBC's by far, but it's you know it's also the worst main event by far. So yeah, you know, absolutely. It's a, it's well, moving on in the headlines, of course, is uh, flyweight champion Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez takes over the top spot on the ESPN pound for pound poll with Floyd's retirement. He also has taken over number one on a bunch of other sites as well. Rafe, your reaction to this? Oh, I think it's fitting. I mean, the, the, he's he we've boxing heads, boxing fans, people who really follow the sport closely have been. Gaga over Chocolatito for the last three years, you know, I mean, like scouring the Internet for his fights, you know, trying to find streams when he wasn't on U.S. TV. So just don't cross the streams. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's the only way to defeat the biggest the, the biggest villains. Um, but, um, you know, so it's not it's no surprise to me. It may be a, it might have surprised some fans who don't follow the sport as closely. Uh, it seems fitting. I think that uh, as you know, he may not stay on top for as long as Floyd did, only because, uh, not because I think he, he stands to lose anytime soon or I think he's vulnerable, but there are fighters right behind him who have such a chance to move up if they uh, get the, the big fights and, and win them. You know, I mean, if, if, if Andre Ward fights either Gennady Golovkin or Sergey Kovalev, and the winner of that fight, you know, Kovalev, Golovkin, or Ward would have a very good argument for being launched right to the top after a win of that caliber. And uh, Chocolatito has sort of cleaned out uh, his weight classes already, even though he just moved up. Oh, uh, yeah. There isn't I mean, a look, whole, he's, he's not, he can't do much more to, to ascend the, the, the that's ranks. That's a good point. 
That's a good point, but he's he's nasty. 28 years old from Nicaragua, 43 and 0, 37 KOs. 14 of his last 15 ended by knockout. The only one that didn't was that rousing brawl with with uh, Juan Francisco Estrada. We hope we see that again. If you could recommend for any of our listeners that maybe haven't seen Chocolatito yet, didn't see his HBO debut earlier this year, what fight should they go back and watch? Yeah, that's right. So Chocolatito has only fought once on on you know mainstream US TV, and that was uh, HBO earlier this year. Yeah. Don't the, forget about the, Wealth TV back in the day, all right? Yeah. He, he fought Estrada. Come I, on. Well. I tried to say mainstream. Was that Wealth TV? I thought that was. My like, man Mark Abrams on the call right. with Larry Holmes. Come right. on. Uh, oh, that was a great one. Now I remember. I told. I know this game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. Um, but. So the, the fight, the, the Chocolatito fight that I would uh, suggest, you know, listeners go back and look at if they haven't seen him before was last year when he moved up in weight to challenge and defeat uh, Akira Yagashi uh, for what the flyweight championship. Um, he, uh, you know, that that he walked through him. Dude. He, he walked, walked through him. Through and him. Yagashi is a, a, not the slickest fighter, but tough, tough, tough. He was in that amazing brawl with the Thai porn dealer, porn Sawan, porn prop <laughs> Uh, in 2011 and you know he's just a guy who uh, Yagashi was a real tough champion and you, you, he makes you earn everything and he keeps coming and he and he fought that way against uh, Chocolatito and 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 Gonzalez just cut him up and and really towards the end like the, he saw that that Yagashi had nothing left so that was one where he, he really uh, uh, Chocolatito really made a statement moving up in weight and and knocking out a guy who uh, is was really tough in that division. Oh yeah, and then of course that one I referenced, that Juan Francisco Estrada fight from November 2012. That was a 12 round battle. That's the only fighter Estrada that's really been able to push Roman Gonzalez. I mean, it ended up being a close but clean and clear decision win for Gonzalez because Estrada's just tough as balls. There, I mean, that guy can fight. He just knocked out your guy Hernan uh, Tyson Marquez yeah. the other night on Saturday. But uh, look, what Gonzalez brings to you is the combination of boxing and punching, but the the slick the combos he has that triple G poise and patience to him. He's so humble in that same regard. I mean, there's a lot of comparisons between Gonzalez and, and G- Golovkin that make sense, which is really why when, you know, Chocolatino made his HBO debut, it was on Golovkin's undercard in L.A., and they'll be doing it again on October 17th when Golovkin fights David Lemieux on this pay-per-view, because this is, is at least for the ESPN poll, one and two pound for pound on the same main and co-main. That's not bad, Rafe. Uh, that's a that's a feather in the cap of uh, K two and HBO for sure. Uh, what do you think about his opponent? I mean, we'll break this down in a couple weeks, but uh, you know, how do you like the the, the matchup with Brian Valoria? I think it's it's interesting. You know, it's Valoria interesting. Is, is up and down a little bit. He's he's a little over the hill, perhaps, but uh, he's got power and he's uh, he's quick and and he's the right comes guy that's fight. yeah yeah he's the right guy that's going to test Chocolatito for people that haven't seen him but want to know more about him. You'll see a good test, but I don't think you can really see Valoria at this point in his career coming over the top and surprising you. But you know, matchup for for that division to try to give you a matchup where you know both guys and you can get excited. You couldn't you could do you know a lot worse than that. No doubt. Um, well, the last pity bit of news we wanted to get through was, you know, Uncle Bob, Bob Arum. Uh, there's so many uncles now, Uncle Al, Uncle Bob, uh, Grandpa Bob. Anyway, Bob Arum of top rank has come out and named a pretty a murderer's row, you could almost call it, of uh, possible opponents for Manny Pacquiao's yeah, he comeback. he doesn't want to go soft. He no, doesn't uh, want to do like Algeri 2 and Macau. He doesn't want to go there. I, I think, I honestly, I mean, that's not, I honestly think that's how, that's his, that's his mentality as a fighter. You know, he's never, you know, coming 
growing up, he didn't get matched easy because he wasn't anything special until people realized he was. Uh, and he wants to be in real fights, you know. I mean, he he, he likes to mix it up. He he, he I, I can almost see him. I think he would go happier, go home happier with, you know, getting knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez than than you know uh, than getting I don't know outclassed by uh, Floyd Mayweather for sure. Or trying hard in the late rounds against Floyd Mayweather. Oh, um, Bob, by the way, said he's done with Macau, which was interesting to hear after he made a uh, what seemed to be a ton of money on site fees bringing him over there. But this murderous row lineup of potential opponents for this February return they're talking about. Let me read a few of them. Amir Khan, Kel Brook, Lucas Matisse, Terrence Crawford. This is uh, all killer, no filler, Rafe. No doubt. And If you're going to pick one, who do you like the most well, out of here? You know who I want. We're going to play the sound clip right now to tell you who I want. Let me say first something. We have, we have a new Manny Pacquiao. He's from Argentina, and his name is Lucas the Machine. Matisse. All right. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to hear uh, Richie's blood alcohol level oh, during man. that comment. Like, it was just uh, I, I, that that classic Richard Schaefer line after Lucas Matisse knocked out Lamont Peterson. Uh, that's like a four scotch statement right there. No you know? doubt. And plus, it's also uh, it, it it's sort of taken on such a life afterwards on the internet and among boxing fans that hearing it live again, it almost it almost doesn't live up to what we've built it into. Like yeah. in my mind, he goes like Lucas Matisse. <laughs> You know, in my like, mind, he slobbers over Jim Gray, pushes him out of the way, grabs the microphone. Well, that that does happen. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, but he might have cursed. By the way, he might have cursed the machine's career by saying that. But that's another side. But, topic no, honestly, like I do, I think of those guys. Um, Matisse, pro- I mean, yeah, he clearly has the most losses. I does, oh, Khan might have the most losses. Uh, Matisse might not be like the top fighter in that group, uh, or he isn't the top fighter fight, in that though. group. But against Manny at this stage in his career, it's just a, a amazing fight. You know, I that mean, neither guy sick. is going to be able to neither. You know, both guys are going to land punches on each other, and both guys can really punch. Still, even Manny at age thirty seven, thirty, you know, getting older, still has you know, still has power, still has that quick left hand, still changes directions. Uh, it's uh, that's the one. I think it would be a classic, you know, old school Manny, you know, Manny high level, high speed brawl between guys with guts and skill, like we used to see with you know with Marquez. Even if it's not quite the skill level, um, it's that level of of uh, of aggression and 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 excitement. The only fight I might want—I don't want to say more because, look, seriously, Lucas Manny would be—it would just be sick. But a con fight, which would be huge, if they did it in England in front of a soccer stadium or in Dubai or some weird element, which where it made it feel like such a giant fight. And then there's that backstory with them both being trained by Freddie back in the day when they were both sort of in their respective primes. And I still wonder—you know—they they had some sparring. It was real high speed, high level. I still sort of wonder what that fight will look like. I think that could be really interesting. Although as much as uh, Bob is trying to say, hey, look, I'm not, I'm not dealing with Heyman. I'm dealing with Khan's dad and uncle. I don't think politically this fight ever happens. Even if Khan has been trying to represent that, that he has a cushier situation, maybe an open relationship with Al, if you will, compared to <laughs> what the other PBC guys have. I still it's think, look, Brian. No, Aram suing Schaefer. Aram is, I said Schaefer. Wow. Aram is suing uh, 
Uh, Al, right now, I don't. I don't think this happens, but it'd be interesting. Yeah, I also think that they're overstating how likely it is that that uh, Manny and, and Amir Khan will will meet early next year, uh, especially with uh, with Matisse fighting this weekend, uh, which we'll talk about later on, uh, and the way that he will be. You know, if he wins that fight and looks good, that's going to be a statement. He'll be right in people's minds when they're thinking about who should fight Manny next, and that's Amir Khan's biggest sin in all this. In all this, this I don't know his hullabaloo and all of his lobbying he's never in the ring enough he's never making a statement with his fights to get the the big marquee matchups he wants and he keeps getting passed over yeah it's weird and the Vir- like virgil said you know maybe if he didn't fly around so much he stayed nearby camp he could be twice as good it's interesting that's interesting. Well, you know, the the of course, you know, 2008, looking back at Manny, you know, the way he became the big mar- matinee marquee idol, uh, uh, you know, for in boxing was by beating Oscar De La Hoya, who we're about to get on the phone and talk to. And, and I guess, you know, Brian, since, you know, we're going to talk to him, I just wanted to give you a second here to really talk about, I mean, this is one of your favorite fighters of all time. You know, what are, what are some of the things that stick out to you about him? Why, why, why does he hold that, uh, hold that? position in your you know your your boxing heart of hearts look ball don't lie i never wanted to be an oscar fan back in the day back in my you know box younger boxing watching days he was a pretty boy i didn't think he was tough enough but he won me over because he always matched himself as difficult as possible always wanted to make the biggest fight the biggest spectacle the toughest fight whatever and we're finally seeing him do that consistently as a promoter uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't stop myself. I became an, a huge Oscar fan. Still love talking to him today. You, you know, you can't pick what you love, right, Rafe? Uh, the heart wants what the heart wants. And right now, I think both our hearts are beating in tune. Uh, looking forward to talking to Oscar De La Hoya about uh, this upcoming sort of fall slate of fights uh, for Golden Boy and, uh, and his career. So let's get him on the phone. Now stepping through the ropes is uh, a guest I'm really excited to talk to. We're talking about a Hall of Famer, the founder of Golden Boy Promotions. And this Saturday, he'll be promoting a doubleheader on HBO, 10.15 p.m. Eastern from the StubHub Center in Carson, California. Lucas Matisse, Victor Postal. Very interesting matchup for a vacant junior weight crown. We're talking to Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar, welcome to the ropes. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and it's a great pleasure, man. Great. Thank you, Oscar. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a busy fall. It's a busy season for Golden Boy fighters. Uh, but let's let's first talk about this Matisse fight this weekend. Um, you know, I've been following the, the pre-fight press and it's obviously Postol is uh, we've seen him win some big fights already. It's a competitive fight, but i am always almost been surprised by how uh, almost people in the media are not giving Lucas Matisse almost as much respect as I expected them to. I mean, he's coming off that big win in an exciting fight against Provodnikov, and and he's just we've seen him fight for a long time. We know what he brings. Do you think that uh, that you know Lucas is getting sold short a little bit in the run up to this fight? Well, it, it might have something to do with um, with uh, his last fight against Provodnikov. Uh, people might be thinking that he left uh, a little too much up in that ring uh, mm-hmm. when facing Provodnikov. I mean, as you know, it was a it was an all out war. Um, and and people sometimes might think that those types of fights uh, uh, can can uh, can wear you down a bit. But um, look, uh, Lucas Matisse is is uh, one of those fighters who just uh, goes up in the ring and gives it his all. Um, 
He's been involved in the fight for the year. Um, and uh, this Saturday night on HBO uh, is going to be another tough test against uh, Postol. Oscar, there's an element that this could be a trap fight because what we've seen from Postal with the size and the reach, specifically that Selkuk Aydin fight, I mean, he was nasty with the accuracy, putting the punches together. How do you see this fight playing out from style-wise? Do you think Lucas is going to have to box or brawl to have the most success? Well, I think he's going to have to brawl. I think he's going to have to go and try uh, and break Postal down. Um, Postal might try and use his, uh, his height and reach advantage. But knowing knowing um, knowing his trainer uh, Freddie Roach, he's a he's a man with great pride. He's a man that loves his fighters to go in there and 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 knock their opponents out. So I, Postol might come out and brawl. So who knows? I mean, maybe we're going to see uh, uh, Lucas Matisse uh, box a bit. But I think uh, I think uh, Lucas Matisse has a, a great opportunity here to. Uh, to look spectacular and uh, and be in the running for uh, for a Manny Pacquiao fight next year. Absolutely, and that would be a spectacular fight, Oscar. I mean, you guys are delivering right now, but a big thing is Lucas decided with the political upheaval and all that's going on, he decided to stay loyal and stick with you. He told me last week, Golden Boy has always been family to me. I've made my biggest fights here. That's why I wanted to stay. What did that mean to you, Oscar? Well, it means everything. I mean, it means that uh, you know I'm glad that there's still uh, some some loyalty uh, involved in this sport. Um, you know, and obviously having to uh, re-sign Canelo to a long-term deal, and and having to work with Lucas Matisse and all the other young top prospects uh, that we're building. Um, you know, to us, it's all about uh, family and working hard. And uh, and uh, so when Lucas uh, decided to. Uh, with us um, you know it was it was uh, it was gratifying and um, you know I felt really good about it because uh, we've done a great job for him uh, we know how to build fighters and uh, you know we had a we, we know how to uh, make sure that that, that the fighters uh, get the respect that they deserve and uh, you know so uh, I was I was pretty happy Oscar, I wanted to ask you about this uh, sort of fall season that you've built up for for Golden Boy here with, you know, your fighters in some some huge fights, you know, starting, I guess, starting off this weekend with Matisse. But then really after that, uh, later this month on HBO Pay-Per-View, you're going to see David Lemieux take on Gennady Golovkin. And then, of course, in November, Canelo is going to face uh, Miguel Cotto for the middleweight championship. And is this sort of like... A, a make or break time for 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 these fighters and for Golden Boy as a whole, where you know you guys are really putting it all on the line in in really tough matchups, competitive fights, and 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 you know that hopefully you want to win and move forward from. But you know what? How has it set you up for the future? Yeah, no, I mean this is this is not make or break. I mean this is just what boxing should be. I mean this is this is the type of fights that fighters should be in. I mean. You know uh, why? Why baby fighters? Why? Why keep on marinating big fights? Why? Why keep on putting uh, fighters in against uh, against stiffs? I mean, there's there's this uh, there's this saying in boxing uh, where where people are are calling fighters cherry pickers. I mean, that's what Golden Boy is not all about. We're all about making the best fights for the fans and uh, and making sure that the fans are always happy and making sure that 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 the sport stays relevant uh, by making these fights. So. You know, Golden Boy Promotions, I mean, we believe in our fighters. We know how to build champions. And, uh, you know, we're going to stay here for a very long time. And, uh, you know, 2016, I mean, if you think that, that this fall schedule is, is, a, is a great one, I mean, you should see uh, what we have in store for 2016. Amen.
Yeah, and Oscar, we've seen the the uh, the cheery emoji on the Instagram. I, I mean, you seem to be standing up for what the fans want. You know, you 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 be even speaking out at times on social media, even if it makes people like Angel Garcia upset. How much fun are you having in this moment, making the best possible fights you can? Well, look, it's a lot of fun because um, and look, we 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 strongly believe that that uh, if if you're a champion, if you're a fighter, um, you have to fight the very best. And, and it's good for the, the fans. It's good for your career. It, it, it doesn't make no sense that, that, uh, if you crown yourself champion and then, then, then the following fight, you fight, uh, a, a guy who's ranked a hundredth. I mean, that's just, that's not good for your career. That's not good for the fans. That's, that's not good for the sport. So I think, uh, I think once you reach that top level, you must continue to, to fight the top level and gain respect and, and, and honor and pride. That's what it was all about for me uh, when I was a fighter. So I just, uh, you know, I, I take that and, 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 and I make sure that as a promoter, I, I give the fans the best fight. Well, you, you backed it up. You put your money where your mouth is. And a great example of that is David Lemieux, who after winning the belt from Hassan Endam, you know, really could have, you could have gone different ways. You could have maybe milked a couple title defenses. No, you're going right at the division's boogeyman. I mean, this is intense here. This has to be an, an encapsulation of, of what you're trying to do at Golden Boy. And I give Lemieux that respect for stepping in there. I mean, was, was this exactly what he wanted right off the bat? Well, I'm not in the milking business. I'm in the fight <laughs> game and the business, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of fighters. That's all they do is is, is, is cherry pick, is is is, is milk uh, as much as they can. That's not what it's all about. If we want to make sure that the sport grows, if, if we want to make sure that the fighter gains exposure and respect uh, and bigger purses, you must fight the very best. And uh, you know, I did it. A lot of fighters did it in their careers and, and had successful careers. You know, that's the way you build champions. That's the way you build superstars. And uh, that's what that's what Golden Boy is all about. Sure. I'd like to ask uh, some specifics about the Golovkin Lemieux matchup. I mean, you know, David Lemieux, even though he just won a cha- won a championship in the middleweight division, uh, is going to come into this fight as a, as a sort of widely acknowledged underdog. How do you see him? Uh, you know, m- sort of proving people wrong and and st- sticking in there with Golovkin, who you know has the amateur pedigree and the punching power and the knockout streak, all these things that have people thinking he he could run away with this fight. Well, what people what people are are forgetting here is that is that Golovkin, um, Golovkin, yes, he's a he's a beast and he's a he's a he's a he's a strong fighter and he's knocking everybody out. But uh, but you have to keep in mind that uh, this is this is Golovkin's first real test against a real brawler against a, a, a champion who is going to fight him back and not be afraid. Um, you know, this is going to be a really good fight, and I, I, I strongly feel that people are sleeping on the news. Um, you have champion versus champion, banger versus banger, and, uh, you know, ultimately the ones who are going to win are the fans. Absolutely, and look, you, you can't look at... Uh, any further than a Cotto Canelo fight for giving the fans what they want. Oscar, you've been involved in some very big fights. I mean, specifically in the middleweight division with that, with that huge unification bout with Bernard Hopkins. The Cotto Canelo one, though, adds that Puerto Rican Mexican part to it. I mean, what is, what's the groundswell like when, when you talk to people about this fight? Well, you know, what kind of, what's your anticipation level compared to other fights you promoted for this matchup? Well, this fight is not about the business. This fight is not about the money. This fight is about honor and glory uh, and respect. You know, I mean, we're going to bring back that excitement back to boxing where back in those old days, um, you know, several years ago when 
when people were uh, gathered around their homes at television and, and screaming and yelling and, and cheering on for their best fighter, you know, uh, uh, cheering, uh, you know, from the edge of your seat, you know, uh, we're going to bring that back to boxing on November 21st uh, with, with Cotto and Canelo. I mean, when you have Mexico versus Puerto Rico uh, inside that ring, I mean, you're going to get nothing but an explosion. History shows that every single fight where it's Mexico, Puerto Rico, it's, it's, it's guarantee action. So, uh, you know, the world is, is excited. We're excited. And, uh, you know, I'm just really glad that, that, uh, that, that we can put this fight together and, and make sure that the, that the, that the sport of boxing keeps on, uh, keeps on elevating to new heights. And like I said, look, this, this is not about business. This is not about, uh, you know, uh, uh, the dollars, the economics of, of, of boxing. This is about, the fan. This is about the passion, the 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 the, uh, the honor of of uh, of of, uh, of the fighting. You know, you, you mentioned the history, Oscar, of uh, the boxing rivalry between Mexico and Puerto Rico. And, of course, I mean, you participated in one of the biggest fights in the history of that rivalry when you fought Felix Trinidad and, and lost a, a probably one of the most controversial decisions in the last 20 years. Uh, but, you know, how, how do you think... Cotto and Canelo can compare to that sort of build up that atmosphere, that mega fight feel, and and are you sharing anything with Canelo about sort of uh, you know the what it's like to participate with in that heated rivalry? Well, let's just put it this way: in, in this fight here against Canelo versus Cotto, nobody's going to run the last three rounds and lose a fight. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember when I fought Felix Trinidad, and I still regret it to this day. I lost the fight because I ran. I mean, you call it boxing today, but I ran the last three rounds. And even though I did feel that I had the uh, first eight or nine rounds in the bag, I mean, I, 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 I made the mistake of, uh, of boxing the last three rounds and I lost the fight. But Canelo Cotto, you can, you can, you can, uh, you can uh, be assured that, uh, that, that in this fight, there's going to be fireworks, there's going to be knockdowns, there's going to be tons of action. And, you know, with, with, with Canelo, I mean, he's 25 years old. He's learning. He's growing. He's a sponge right now. He's learning everything that we tell him. He's, uh, he's becoming a better fighter, a better boxer. He's faster than ever. He's stronger than ever. And, uh, you know, he knows what he has to do uh, inside, inside the ring. And, and most importantly, he loves it. He loves his fans. He loves being around the, uh, the, that whole atmosphere, the craziness in Vegas and all the, all the thousands of people watching him uh, on TV. So... We, we have a professional on our hands, uh, a, a fighter that wants to be great and, and, and that, and that uh, takes chances and, and wants to be uh, one of the best in the world. Right. Uh, Oscar, you know, it's hard not to notice that in, uh, you know, the fighters we're talking about, David Lemieux, uh, Canelo, they sort of have, uh, you know, a charisma and, you know, sort of uh, the looks, you know, I mean, the this sort of appearance that, that almost in, in some ways you could compare to the, the way you were in your career, combining sort of, you know, charisma and, and, you know, I don't know, having the reputation of a good looking guy and a fighter and all these things. Do you look for that? Do you try and find uh, some? fighters who have some of those qualities like you had or is it, is it just sort of happen well I mean we, we do pride ourselves in, in, in you know recruiting fighters who are who are good people outside the ring you know uh, good ambassadors for the sport uh, you know um, obviously the uh, the uh, the talent is, is very important you have to you have to uh, obviously know how to fight and defend yourself and uh, 
and have the qualities of a, of a champion. But, uh, you know, most importantly, it's, it's, it's exciting to, uh, to, to make sure that these, uh, these fighters are, are good citizens, uh, outside the squared circle. Um, you know, and that's one thing that Golden Boy, uh, promotions, uh, pride itself in. So if you let me be a little bit lighthearted here, if you had to rank these, you know, these four Golden Boy fighters uh, in terms of, you know, uh, appeal to the ladies, uh, it would be, you know, David Lemieux, uh, Canelo Alvarez, Oscar De La Hoya, and Tyshawn Dong. Uh, <laughs> Tyshawn, yes. <laughs> Thank you for the reminder. Tyshawn is a special project of mine. That one day, one day, uh, one day we're going to uh, hopefully uh, fight him in a world title many years from now. And uh, he'll be the, uh, the, the sensation from, uh, from China. <laughs> the, lady, the ladies love the dong, man. Come on. We know it. <laughs> so that's, that's the answer to that question. We know that. Look, Oscar, you referenced the, the Trinidad fight and maybe your regrets in that. I want to say your first fight with Shane Mosley. One of my top two or three favorite fights ever. I don't think it gets the respect when people look back at the last 20 years, look at this, this century's best fights. That was high-speed chess. That was a mini-war. But was your aggressive style and how you fought that a reaction to the criticism you took in the last few rounds against Trinidad? Yeah, most likely. I mean, I, look, I was a very proud fighter, and, uh, you know, I, I had a huge ego when it came to, uh, to stepping in the ring and, and fighting for pride and honor, and so... You know, when I when I stepped up against uh, Sugar Shane Mosley, where he was undefeated, and nobody who knew who Sugar Shane Mosley was, I knew who he was because I we I grew up together with him uh, as an amateur fighter. Um, you know, I knew he was dangerous. I knew he was fast. I knew his style didn't didn't suit me well, but I took the chance, and uh, you know, it became one of those fights where people will remember for a very long time. Oscar, let's fast forward a few years from now. Let's say you're sitting around, you're bouncing the grandkids on your knee, and they're like, look, Grandpa, you were a fighter. You know, we want to see, we want to hear about it. And you can call up one of your fights on YouTube that might explain your career to them. Which fight are you going to pick? I would probably pick the I Corte fight, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, classic fight where, you know, I went down, he went down. Uh, that classic 12th round where I, mm-hmm. I think I hit him with 25 unanswered punches and he stood up and I mean, it was like one of them classy Rocky movies, you know, where the bell rings and we're both raising our hands up and we're all a uh, bloody mess, you know. I mean, it was a fun fight. I, I really enjoyed that one. I thought that 12th round was your ticket to critical respect, and it almost looked like you might have punched yourself out there late, though. That wa- that round was I, wild. I actually did, you- did. I actually did. You know, and it's funny because what people don't know is that fight was rescheduled. It was originally going to take place a month prior to the to, to the to, to that date that we fought in, um, I had gotten cut over my eye, and so I postponed it like two weeks. Um, you know, and I, I have to admit, I kind of uh, took the pedal off the, uh, off, the, uh, off the metal there and kind of uh, took it easy for a little while in training camp and was a little overconfident, you know. Uh, um, at that time, uh, I was at the peak of my career, and uh, I felt I was unstoppable, so I kind of told myself, you know, well, this I Corte from Africa, I can take him on with no problem. But that was a huge, huge mistake. I mean, this guy was the toughest guy that I've ever faced. Oh, that jab. He's like a mule. Yeah, it was incredible jab. Wow. You know, 
Oscar, for for a long time, you sort of carried the the torches, the the the, the sports number one attraction, and then of course uh, it went moved on to Floyd Mayweather and and Manny Pacquiao, and Floyd Mayer supposedly, we if we believe him, has just retired. Um, you know, I, I guess how do you uh, how how do you who do you see emerging now, or 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 will someone emerge the same way that that you guys once did to uh, to lead the sport? Uh, is it Canelo, or do you think it will be someone else? Uh, how, how how do you see that playing out? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, Canelo. I mean, who knows what will happen if uh, if David Lemieux uh, ends up beating Golovkin? I mean, imagine that one. I mean, that'll be that'll be. Uh, uh, you know, an instant superstar overnight. If 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 if, if, if David Lemieux beats uh, Golovkin, I mean that would be incredible. But I, I strongly feel that Canelo is uh, is uh, is going to make his own uh, history and uh, is gonna is gonna be able to uh, carry boxing on his shoulders for a very long time. He just turned 25 years old, and here's a kid who uh, who transcends the sport. I mean, he has great, great looks, knows how to fight. He's getting better. He's getting stronger, faster. Um, you know, the, the world loves him because of his style. So he has the charisma. So I, I strongly feel that Canelo's the next guy. Oscar, be honest with us here. You push Floyd clo- you know, closer than maybe anyone has. Maybe you and Castillo right there. Maidana was close, too. What happens if a prime welterweight Oscar would have fought a prime Floyd? How does that fight end? <laughs> prime? Oh, come on. I mean, they would have been... It would have been a walk in the park. Let's put it that way. I mean, I, 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 I respect Floyd for his for his for his defensive skills, but um, you know, I mean, uh, you know, when I when I fought him, I was I was an old thirty six year old who uh, who uh, you know was worn out and 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 uh, you know, but I I still was able to hang in there, and I I kind of felt a, a bit uh, along with Floyd's father that I that I won the fight. Um, you know, but uh, obviously things happen for a reason, and uh, you know, I went off to uh, to uh, I ended up promoting uh, Mayweather's, uh, I believe, last ten fights, and uh, so it's not it's not okay. Sure. You know, in we in boxing, we always sort of look forward to these uh, mythical matchups once in a while, where guys will come out of retirement at the same time, and 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 you know, five ten years down the line. What are the chances that you get a that we get a uh, of of you know Mayweather or or De La Hoya Mayweather too? Uh, you know where where you guys are both in shape but a little bit past it coming back for one time to settle it once and for all. <laughs> I don't know. Oscar's in shape right now. Uh, Did you yeah. see that Instagram? Uh, I'm this in guy. great. I'm in great shape right now, but there is no chance whatsoever. I mean, look what, what people what people don't know is that when I fought Floyd, I had a rematch clause um, uh, that. Ex- Fired in one year. Okay, mm-hmm. so I had an automatic rematch clause. So what? What did Floyd ended up doing? He ended up retiring for a year and one day, and waited for that clause to, to expire. So I mean, is, can a rematch ever happen? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> well, Oscar, you're making it look good, though. I mean, you almost came back against Felix Sturm a few years ago, right? Was, was that true? A couple of years ago, you were close. Oh, absolutely. I mean, here's a guy who gave me a run for my money. I mean, here's a guy who. Uh, who uh, you know? I, I felt. I mean, I felt that he uh, he probably did enough to beat me. I mean, that it was one of those fights where I went up to 160. I fought this kid, Felix Sturm, who nobody knew. He was undefeated, big guy, strong puncher, great boxer. Um, you know, and I and because of my pride, because of my ego, yes, I wanted to come back and avenge that loss that, that I felt. Uh, um, you know, uh, I didn't feel like a winner there. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
Right. When you fight, you feel like a winner or you feel like a loser. I just didn't feel like a winner. I mean, I got the decision, but I just didn't feel like a winner. Before you get get you out of here, Oscar, you've always been so honest w- with me and with the media all the time. What percentage uh, did you think you got out of yourself potentially in your career? I mean, I know you weren't always uh, maybe training to the level you would want to, but when you look back, what percentage did you max out at? Well, I think I think I think for the first half of my career, I was I gave it a hundred percent when I was undefeated, when I was unstoppable at a, at the welterweight division. Um, but then the second half of my career, you know, personal problems, uh, the personal demons, um, I didn't give it my all. I, I probably gave it maybe 60% of my, of, of my capabilities, of my abilities to, uh, to perform at the highest level. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the honest truth. And, uh, you know, I, I wish, sometimes I wish if I could have, you know, taken uh, my career back and do it all over again. I it obviously would have been different, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I made history, uh, whether it was good or bad. And, uh, you know, I'm always, uh, I've always said that I've been very satisfied with uh, what I accomplished inside the ring. Well, even if you maybe didn't give it all in the second half, you gave it all for the fans, Oscars, you know, in the matchmaking, and I think that's what such a great part of your legacy. It's what we respect, and uh, we, we absolutely thank you for taking the time to talk to us right now. We love that you're doing this with your fighters, matching them tough the same way, and boxing fans are, are really going to benefit from it. It's all about the fans. Thank you. Thank uh, you good so luck much, to you, Oscar. Oscar. Take care. Brian, big plans for the dong in the future. Tyshawn, Tyshawn Dong is yeah, coming Yeah, I, I was waiting for Oscar to pull the trigger there and say, oh, come on, you know who the ladies love. You know who the, what the ladies want. Look, I, great talk with Oscar. I didn't want to cut him off there when he said he thought he beat Floyd on the card, so, but, uh, you know, come on, Oscar. But uh, great, great I having him on. Manny said he beat, thought he beat Floyd on the cards, hey. too. In the, in, the, in the grand scheme of, uh, of, of lies after fighting Floyd, you know, Oscar is not that high up in the list. I think he's right past Ruben Guerrero saying Floyd ran like a chicken and you know <laughs> but uh you know it was, it, it was great talking to him love hearing the, you love know, looking back on the one career. of the things he would you know he obviously his company golden boy promotions is, is a pending lawsuit against al Heyman's company premier boxing champions the pbc uh and he wouldn't he can't directly talk about that sort of political conflict behind the scenes in boxing but you could read through between the lines and a lot of the promoter speak there about making the right kind of fights making ma- matching fighters hard not cherry picking you know being being doing doing right by the sport of boxing at least in in, in oscar's eyes uh and uh and so how, how can you not love and respect that as a fan seriously what you know some fans cheer for certain promoters to do well those not to do well most fans don't care because they just want good fights I, you know i don't care about the back and forth jawing in the court cases i want good fights oscar's trying his best whether it's out of survival mode or not he's trying his best to make the best fights and i think the proof is in the pudding this fall like we talked about yeah and, and the thing is when you talk about the proof is in the pudding the it has been uh i don't know some some uh some dookie tasting pudding recently and as floyd would from, say from, in the pudding in yeah, the pudding <laughs> the, the dookie tasting pudding from pbc recently uh if you look back at you know of course the the fights during the mayweather birdo weekend where we had what the stevenson carpency and uh quillen magic mike quillen magic mike and you know just just mismatches up and down uh and of course this recent we even saw vivian harris's corpse one time wilder dualpas and then unfortunately it looks like that trend I, i wouldn't necessarily say mismatches but just 
It's going in the wrong direction. Things right now, you don't right? necessarily want to see uh, on your TV screen when you turn on boxing. Uh, Look, you know when, when I, on a PBC broadcast, when they pull up the full screen and they show you the upcoming fights on each network? Yeah. The, the most recent time they did that, it was the first time you sort of went, whoa, what's going on here? Look, it, it had been pretty solid, the matchmaking straight through. I gave it you know, a B, B-plus at different times. Now, you have to understand in advance that some of these series aren't designed to put on, you know, big right. pro, prime, you know, like some the of four, these are the Fox Sports one, Fox is, Sports is, one. is basically like a, a FNF. Whole, yeah, it's like a Friday same thing Night with Flash. Bounce TV, same mm-hmm. thing with some of the NBC Sports Network cards. Sure. But when you look at if you go to their website and look at what's coming up next, here's the main event fights coming up. I'm just going to tell you the last names. Jackson Uztagi. Uzkategi. Let's get that right, bro. I sound like Roy Jones there. O'Connor Bracero 2, Washington Mansour, Alexander Martinez, Fanfara Don't Clev- do my man Amir Mansour dirty like that. He Mansour. Is, he's a stud. Alexander Martinez, Fanfara Cleverly, Peterson Diaz, Charlo Alcine. Those are the only ones announced on the website. We know Arislandi Lara is rumored to be coming back. It's a headline in the Against ESPN the card. Against the TBA. Against the TBA. Doesn't sound good. And then also Edwin Rodriguez, Michael Seals will headline a spike card on November 13th. Rafe, this is not going in the right direction. Some of those cards, again, were, were the lower level sort of showcasing cards, but I was hoping by this point we were going to have like a, like a Thor- Thurman Porter, a book ended PBC, you know, NBC, or, or even they put it on Showtime, whatever, a bookend fight that shows you, you know, we're going big here. I don't really see any of those outside of, by the well, way, Quill and Jacobs in December is solid. Quill and Jacobs fair, is solid. To be fair, those are, are those off the table are, are those guys just on the shelf now for the rest of the year even i mean they shouldn't be they i don't i mean are do we know that they are is it well like, porter fought in june he's ready for a big fight right, he wants that's to fight what I mean. there's a lot of guys out there who who it seems like could they, they i mean pbc has so many dates that uh you know i i have a hard time keeping track of when they're coming up and and it seems like there's still room on the schedule especially later in the year for them to squeeze in i mean we've seen this before sometimes in december when when managers and promoters owe their fighters uh, oh, yeah. a, a lot of champions we yeah, there they, they they owe their they owe their fighters another fight during the year they just start just jamming everything in which can be fun and which can be a little overwhelming um well, but, it was that one weekend that friday night fights card which it was called night of champions had big names and then that con alexander card on showtime you know two nights later was jam-packed right and i don't know if that's how it's going to end up i just it's just kind of hard with all with hbo pay-per-view having a big fall hbo's got some big fights coming showtime's got a couple sprinkled in you'd kind of hope that we were going to see some book and main events on espn on nbc etc yeah before before i guess i put the the nail in the coffin of this one i i just i i want to see what happens with uh, the Keith Thurmans, the Sean Porters, the Amir Khan? Um, Amir, yeah, Amir Khan. Well, I mean, what he can't fight more than once a year. Um, <laughs> you know, see there, they see those bigger names who aren't on the list we just went through, and see if they and they do seem like they're up for a fight pretty soon. Uh, see if they show up and see if they show up in any interesting way. I mean, it is. It's just. It's this was the the. It's disappointing for, because you see yeah. guys like Devin Alexander who could instead of headlining. Aaron Martinez be a, a solid opponent for one of the better names on that list. And, and that Guerrero, even, do Alexander Guerrero. That's yeah. not bad. Uh, I'd and, be down for that. And same with, and, you know, Charlo and Lara, that's, uh, you know, like why these are both really high level 154 pound fighters. And I know they're both trained by Ronnie Shields out and down in Houston. So that would be a problem. But why not look at putting them in the ring with each other? I exactly. Mean, you know, Wachim Alcine, I mean, I saw him get blown out in the first round by Matthew Macklin a few years ago. I mean, the guy's got, oh, yeah. you know, 
I mean, he's living Despite off that he owes the that, fumes. He owns of, that upset win over Lemieux. Yeah, by exactly. Way. Alcine is living off the fumes of like of of David Lemieux's Mohawk wax. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's look. Rough. I'm not yeah. down on the PBC. It's just it looks like for a couple of months it's not going in the right direction. I think it, it just unfortunately plays out to the the most hardcore of critic who was stained by what Heyman did in 2014. Entered this PBC launch with low expectations, and the matchmaking is sort of slanting toward those expectations. Haters right gonna now. hate, man. Haters gonna Haters hate. Gonna hate. I'm all you for know? it. I want this thing to work. It's good for boxing. Let's hope it does. Just keep. Don't put no cherries in my Instagram. No. Um, look. All right. So let's let's. But yeah. Forget forget the PBC. There's no official PBC fight this weekend, is there? And then, is there a Friday bounce? If there is, you know, oh well, I missed it. Um, but of course, there is Adrian Broner, a PBC fighter, fighting on Showtime. But before we get into that, let's talk about I think the 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 fight. Most people are most highly anticipating this weekend, or I am at least. Um, Lucas Matisse and Victor Postol fighting uh, here in Carson. Well, here for me, not for you. Sorry, uh, you know Carson, California, at the the sort of legendary now StubHub Center um, uh, for the uh, vacated uh, or the vacant uh, 140 pound junior welterweight title that Danny Garcia used to used to hold, even though he never defended it because he's always fighting at like 143 pounds. Um, but anyway, Matisse Postol. Rod reference there? What's that? that? A backhanded Rod yeah. Salka hey, reference? Hey, I mean, there's a lot of backhanded... <laughs> whatever, whatever. <laughs> Cherry picking. Um, Matisse Postol, man. What do you think? What, how, I like what, this fight yeah. a lot. Look, my, my initial reaction when it was launched was, okay, potential for action. I like Lucas Big. I don't no longer like Lucas Big. My, my, I'll give you my prediction later, but... Uh, right now, I, I think this is leaning almost toward a potential trap fight for Lucas, and that's because if you're going by what we know about against about Victor Postal, which is obviously less than what we know about Matisse, what we know about Postal is he's going to come into this fight with a big reach and size advantage. He's an accurate puncher, not a big puncher, but an accurate one who puts solid combinations together and throws punches and flurries. He's really living off, even though he's got fights, wins over Hank Lundy, etc., mm-hmm. he's living off the reputation of that 2014 HBO debut against Selkuk Idine. Sure. Where he was nasty, and how he finished him in round eleven was like oh, whoa. amazing! One of the knockouts of the year, even jaw dropping. Sort of, uh, whoa, sort of sort of forgotten. It was a knockout of the year type type job. But look, man, and I mentioned this a little bit give... when we were talking to De- to Oscar in the interview. Right. I think it is crazy how people are sort of bending over backwards and jumping over themselves to say, oh, Postol could or is going to beat Matisse. Like, yes, he's tall. I, look, I like Postol. I, I remember I hadn't really seen him fight, and I and I covered uh, the fight week and the fight live last year when he was on the uh, the Marquez Alvarado undercard with when he fought Aydin. And, like, I remember seeing him in a media workout and being like, wow, this guy is, like, looks really sharp, you know? He's like very straight punches through nice combinations. Looked really, really fluid in the ring when he was working the mitts with uh, with Marvin Samodio, Freddie Roach's assistant at Wildcard. But like that doesn't mean he's going to beat Lucas Matisse, who we've seen fight at the highest level at this division and beat a lot of guys who are very good fighters. And like if you look at what has given Matisse trouble. It's, it's, I, well, all right. The old, there, the, you could say it's the move, the, the, the quicker guys. You could say it's the, when he had the debatable losses to, to Zab Judah and Devin Alexander. But I think he already moved on from that phase in his career and has become a more assertive, aggressive fighter 
and doesn't start as slow anymore, so he's True. not going to fall behind on the ra- in, in the rounds like he like he used to, or he's not as susceptible to that. The other thing, okay, after after when he after, coming back after the loss to Danny Garcia, he fought uh, John Molina last year, and yes, that he was got, an eye opener. He got he got dropped twice, but that he also brought the it, it, that was just a, I think that to me that was a style matchup that brought the very best out of John Molina that that you can't, you can't see from almost anyone else because Matisse doesn't care how big a puncher who who you whoever it is he just marches in and does his work uh, and he started doing that to to Molina who we know is a huge puncher and you know he got caught a couple times but you know what he he never. The two times he went down, he didn't even look as hurt as some of the other times in the fight where he caught big rights and didn't go down. <laughs> and the thing is, he's, he just kept applying the pressure and eventually broke Molina down badly and won a very exciting fight. And sure, it showed some vulnerability that, yeah, if, if Matisse gets hit clean by one of the biggest punchers uh, at those weights at 135 and 140, he can go down. Well, okay, we know that. We also know that he got back up and beat the guy. Postol doesn't have that kind of power. He's a sharper puncher. He's he's clean. You know, he's got he's but he's not slick. He, I don't think he's he's not slick, but he's accurate he's a, and yeah. he's and he's and he's volumeness. And I thought something that Danny Garcia did to change the tenor of that fight after he had clearly lost the first three rounds was start to double his jab, start to pick up his output. And Angel was saying after the fight that it never really allowed Lucas to get set. Every time Lucas thought he was set to sort of throw his hooks, Danny was mixing it up, putting two jabs in his face, and it really kept him off balance. Now look, Danny's got a different. Level of power than Postal that can keep you know Lucas on. It's not going to be a, a apples for apples comparison here, but I think with the reach and with the accuracy, Postel is going to be a, a tougher test though than than maybe the average fan is going to think about and realize. Maybe in the end, of course, Matisse will get over the top, but I think there's potential for him to have to really work to get inside, and it's all going to be dependent upon Postel's backbone. We don't know anything about him. If we're going to stereotype him from being Ukrainian, I'm going to guarantee you that he's that he's tough with a tough chin. It might be tough to get him out of there based on. We've seen guys from Eastern Europe in, in recent years, but I don't know, man. He's going to have to work to get inside to land those bombs. It's going to be up to Postal to take some of that and keep punching. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I think it is a good matchup, and I think that Postal will land punches and look pretty good for, for in stretches of the fight, but I just see Matisse as a, as a strong fighter who who I think will, will you know, wade through that and, and get his work done. So um, much on the line, though. You know, we talked about the potential for a, a Manny Pacquiao fight. Oscar brought that up, saying that's the fight he wants to make. As we talked about earlier, that would make me run wild. Can't wait. Hope we see that. Look, there's a co-main, though, for this HBO card. Unbeaten junior welterweight Antonio Orozco from Mexico faces the battle-tested 35-year-old Humberto Soto. My first response was to go, Soto, oh my god, the guy's still fighting, are you kidding me? Then I looked at his box rec page thinking, okay, I saw him beat John Molina. He looked He's good won in seven fight. in a row. Seven in a row since that knockout loss to Matisse in 2012. Right, on the, uh, Been on around the forever. Lopez-Ortiz undercard, man. An epic, yeah. a, a legendary knight, so to speak. Orozco, 27, unbeaten, couple decisions over Stevie Forbes, Manuel Taylor in recent fights. Hasn't overly impressed me, though. I like this fight. It's kind of an interesting crossroads element. Do you have, uh, you have any thoughts on this? 
I haven't seen a lot of Orozco. Uh, I've seen too much of Soto. Uh, <laughs> I like, you know, I, but I think that it, it's it's lined up. It's a classic, uh, you know, StubHub Center Carson exactly. crazy, you know, wild boxing crowd that knows what they're what they're what they're looking for. Uh, you know, sort of appetizer. I mean, this is a ni- this is a very nice uh, uh, TV card for for HBO and for the fans, whoever can get out there to the beautiful sort of like amphitheater outdoor arena in uh, Southern California. There. That you know tends to for for whatever reason produces these these big fights and uh, big meaning uh, sort of amazing wars you know really dramatic fights uh, we've seen of course uh, Bradley Provodnikov the first. Uh, Brandon Rios, Mike Alvarado fight. The Two of the Marquez, Marquez Vasquez. Vasquez, yeah. Um, and I think that both Even of these guys, Even your guy, Guerrero, Aaron Martinez was and, that And, and you know, Matisse Molina last year was there. Oh, uh, heck yeah, dude. Uh, but, so, so, yeah, this is, and I think that both of these fights offer uh, a chance for that sort of thing to happen, you know? I think uh, they're, 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 the matchmaking is, is entertaining and even, and that, that, that usually leads to good things. Absolutely. Uh, transferring to the other fight, competing against it on Showtime from the U.S. Bank Arena in Cincinnati, 10 p.m. Eastern. Adrian Broner, A.B., your boy, back from the loss to Sean Porter, fighting Khabib Alekverdiv for another one of these vacant junior welterweight titles that Danny Garcia gave up by moving up in weight. Rafe, a lot to unpack here, okay? Yeah. Before I tee it up really? to you, I'm going to say this. I like the matchup because I'm a little surprised that Broner coming off the loss to where he was lifeless against Porter, save for the 12th <laughs> round knockdown, that he would come back in a fight, not crazy hard, but a tough fight, a potential trap fight if he doesn't bring his best game against Alec Verdiv. But here's the problem. Both guys coming off a defeat. Khabib hasn't fought in 18 months since he got screwed on the cards against Jesse Vargas, in, in my opinion, when he lost his 140-pound title in that fight. There, you can't con- concoct a scenario where the WBA would be right in making this a title fight, right? I mean, especially with Jose Benavides Jr. already being the interim title titleist, you would think he would just get bumped up to the spot. Well, that, that I takes. Don't, well, I, good. I'm glad he didn't. You know, that guy didn't deserve to beat Mauricio Herrera. So no, that's you know. a good point there. Uh. Outside of of maybe the you know the the foul play in boxing that we see with this being a title fight, what do you like about this matchup? How do you sum it up? Yeah, well, look, you you just put it, you you sort of crystallized it really nicely there. It's not a title. It it, it shouldn't. Two guys coming off a loss, and Adrian Broner, like who who is looking bad in every big fight now, uh, getting another shot at a title, you know, and, and a shot to call himself a a, a champion in four weight classes. All that is ridiculous. But but who cares? Like this is a good fight, and and at least you know we were talking about Al Heyman matchmaking in PBC or whether it's Showtime, uh, and you know Broner is now like one of the poster boys for for good. PBC and and Al Heyman and Showtime matchmaking because <laughs> he is in competitive fights or fights that he you know he's not they may think he's going to be the uh, the the runaway victor in but it, they usually don't they may not turn out that way yes he, he either has to work to win or he doesn't uh, and this is another one uh, Alec Verdiev is pretty good yeah um, lefty yeah, technical decent you know good he size. was thought of as a decent puncher early you know b- before the Vargas fight I mean that one kind of it, it didn't really show it in that one. Um, he's not, I, you know, he, to me, he's a little, you know, he's, he's, he comes off to me, people describe him as awkward. I think of him kind of methodical. Um, 
you know, but he's a, he's a very um, solid and respectable opponent for accurate. He can box, yeah. but it comes down to this: it's the same. This fight brings with you the same sort of narrative that, unfortunately, we've had for like the last three or four with Broner ever since the Maidana loss. Maybe even before that, it's is he going to take this fight seriously enough to max out? Because there's arguably more on the line this time if he loses. Than ever before because yeah, where be can you go after that? It gets second, even, yeah. yeah, second straight loss. It would be if he lost. It would be three out of the last six. It's essentially at a point where Al's got to just make him a a high level gatekeeper, make him a big name B B side, essentially, or, or right? a sideshow somewhere. Yeah, or a sideshow if he isn't already there. Now he's sworn off media in the lead up to this. He's blaming it on that Twitter rant that he had back and forth with Dan Rayfield, where Dan sort of called out the WBA for making this a title fight. Broner came back and insulted Dan heavily, and then <laughs> sworn off all media. If you saw the press conference leading up to this, he had his his I, PR guy yeah. mouthpiece talk for him. The only time Broner took the mic was when he dropped the N word. It was really just awful. Uh, does this show you that AB is going to be about boxing? That he's really going to rely on the jab, use the quickness, and actually box? Or is this just another, hey, this time I'm going to give up the clubs for good, but it really doesn't mean anything? Well, the, I mean, I, I don't even know what was wrong with him in previous fights. I mean, was are we sure? Oh, look we at the Porter that, fight, dude. Well, yeah, no, no. But I mean, like, is his was his inactivity in those fights because he ha- hadn't trained, because he couldn't didn't have the energy no. to, to do an output? Or was it just sort of, a, I, to me, it's just like he thinks that's his arrogance. style. Yeah. And he thinks that he can just sit in that shell and not do anything and people will give him rounds and he thinks and he's still wrong. at lightweight yeah. knocking knocking people out when he doesn't have the power at 40 and 47 he has the power to knock people down as he showed against taylor and porter he, he can get you with one shot but he can't be a stalker and, and expect to knock these guys out and win like he was at lightweight he's got a box and he's got the skills that's the frustrating part yeah. but if he doesn't throw a lot of punches in this fight there is that potential for this to be a trap fight although I don't like to proprietary. I don't like to push out boxing uh, being corrupt, but I can't get, see him not getting the decision. You don't, if this you goes don't to think the cards. you don't think Khabib is going to get a good shot on the oh, cards in Cincinnati? Yeah, <laughs> I can't see uh, Khabib coming anywhere close, even if he straight up completely outboxes him. So maybe it's a it's a joke to begin with, but AB's got to step it up and prove that he can be a, a main event A side again. That's what I, we're watching for. We're watching for if his if he has sort of incorporated anything new into his style. If he's going to fight a little bit differently. If he's going to push the fight. If he's going to go out there and try and win some rounds instead of just sitting there clowning, you know, humping humping his opponent, you know, j- dancing, doing stuff that that at this point nobody even thinks is that funny anymore uh and, and certainly doesn't help him with the judges. So that's what we're watching for is is Broner going to act like a boxer. Absolutely. Quickly on the co-main, uh, Jose Pedraza, the sniper from Puerto Rico, is going to defend his junior lightweight title against Edner Cherry. Now, uh, Peraza oh. won the vacant belt by unanimous decision over Andre Klimov oh. just recently. It looked like a million dollars in June in doing it. Cherry, the veteran, 10-0 and with one no contest since his 2008 loss to Tim Bradley. For how good Pedraza looked in that last fight, I'm looking forward to seeing this one, Rafe. This is a uh, this. I mean, is this count as cherry picking? I don't. I mean, hey, I, like, I, hey. seen, I, I didn't thought of cherry in a long, long ass time. Man. I thought he was. I didn't think he was still active. Then looking to see that he hasn't lost since 08, I was like, whoa, hey, oh okay. yeah, he's killing it. Well, uh, maybe people know. can go back and fix their box rec record, just like Ferris Bueller could go back and and uh, you know update his amount of uh, unexcused absences. 
I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, you know. Turn the wheels back on the odometer. Turn the miles back, you know. All right, let, yo, let's 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 get into these predictions real quick. Let's let's just you know put it out there. Slide into my DMs. Go ahead. All right, so you know Matisse Postola, you know, you, you, this is a potential trap fight. Is it? You know, Victor Victor's opening up that trap. He's got that long jab. He's sharp. He can throw combinations. He's an accurate puncher. Is he going to win? Who? Cool. Is he gonna oh, win? sorry. Uh, it's, I want I want it to be one of those guys to lean and pick the upset. In the end, I couldn't because Matisse is that tough and he's that strong. I think Matisse is going to fall down in some rounds. He's going to have to, while trying to angle to get inside, he's going to be outboxed and give up some rounds. But I think he's going to come on late, give everything he has, and I think Postal's is going to get stopped. Uh, I also think this is going to end in a Matisse stoppage. And I think that while... I do see Postol having some moments and being able to land on Matisse when he's coming in. I think it's going to be more dominant than a lot of people think. And that's not a big knock on Postol. I just think that Matisse is that still that good of a puncher and that Postol, for all of his good uh, offensive boxing, I'm not quite sure that it's going to be enough to keep uh, Matisse away and off of him. And if it's not and he can't get out of the way of what's coming at him, I think it's going to think he's going to, you know, uh, take that punishment a lot differently than we saw you know, the, the Iron Man, Ruslan Provodnikov's weather, all that stuff. I think Postol will go down. I agree. I think that's what we're looking at. I, I like uh, Roscoe to show himself well, though, in the co-main. Do you think your guy Soto can turn back the clock? Hell yes, he will. Soto, I mean, he's, he's you know, ageless, you know. I, I'm I, After seeing him beat uh, John Molina, who who was kind of coming on and had some juice after after that tough Matisse fight where, you know, it was like, oh, now we kind of we're on we're on Molina's side again, even though he lost. What a fight. He, he really he, he, he fought his uh, his uh, his balls off, so to speak, or not even, you know, figuratively. Anyway, like, yeah, let me let me put some water on your balls. No, yeah, it always wakes him up and gets them going. Uh, but no, I mean, Soto looked good in that. I like Soto. I, I, and he, he's 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 a tough out. So you, you better be for real. If you're even even old man Soto, you better be for real if you want to beat him. Absolutely. Well, let's get to the Showtime main event. I teased it earlier. I don't see either. I don't see this fight ending in knockout either way, and I don't see a scenario in which AB doesn't win a decision. So I'm going to say it's going to be closer than the scores will indicate. But I like AB by UD. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's Broner by decision. Uh, I I I don't know if he's going to look good. I am going to be watching to see if he's going to look good. I kind of feel like he's going to look just good enough where we can't call it a a failure or a step back, but not necessarily the full encapsulation of what he's capable of. He's definitely going to look good in his robe and at the club after the fight, win or lose, right? Yeah, with the band camp. Uh, And in the co-main event, I like my guy, the sniper, who every once in a while there's a fighter. You know the name. Maybe you've seen a couple of the fights, but you really tune in at one fight and they just win you over. Well, that was Pedraza for me in in that last fight. He can now do no wrong for me. I think he's going to roll through Cherry and just out-slick him just top to bottom. Yeah, I have sworn off of Andre Klimov, so I actually missed that one. But, uh, you know, I will will hope to be converted uh, in watching him pick Edner Cherry and get rid of him. You think he's going to take his Cherry? No, come on, come on. Man, that's the wrong kind of Cherry picking. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. Um, this was uh, this was a good, great show. Big weekend of boxing. Uh, before we get out of here, let me just go through it. Tell the tell everyone, remind everyone where to catch it. Uh, HBO, ten fifteen p.m. Saturday night, Eastern Time. That's the Lucas Matisse Victor Postol card. 
from Carson, California at the StubHub Center. Then the other big card Saturday night on Showtime, 10 p.m. Eastern, Adrian Broner, Khabib Alekverdiev from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, those are the fights. Uh, DVR one, watch the other. Go to one, DVR the other if you can. Um, be a pretty solid Saturday of boxing and sort of the gateway into a huge fall for the sport, which, are, you know... Uh, gateway drug, definitely, no for, the, for this I'm, big fall. Inhale, uh, dude, inhale. I'm, I'm sucking it all in. Um, all right, Brian. Uh, and, of course... First of all, got to thank uh, Oscar De La Hoya for calling in today. Uh, it was really an honor to have him as a guest. Um, want to thank the regulars here at the Grandland Network, uh, Joe Fuentes, David Jacoby, everybody they work with, uh, and uh, thank the fans, uh, or the fans, I don't know, the listeners. I don't know if we got fans. Um, oh, we thank, got fans. Come uh, on. Dude. You got fans. Not me, man. I'm just a regular guy. Um, Thank the listeners. Guys, uh, if you haven't already, go on, rate us on iTunes, uh, review us, do all that stuff. Follow Brian at B Campbell ESPN on Twitter, myself at Rafe Boogs, uh, R-A-F-B-O-O-G-S. And, uh, you know, enjoy the weekend. We'll be back soon to talk more boxing. Brian. We out. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcast.